You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to hemp present. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to hemp present about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hempresent Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 28th year, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Oklahoma-based cannabis activist Shelly Free, who will join me in about one minute. Legalization. Legalization. What does the word mean? Does legalization mean equality with the users of other adult substances? Or does legalization merely imply massive regulation? Does legalization mean commodification or commercialization? Or does the word evoke a notion of libertarian policy free from bureaucratic restrictions and overreach? These are just a few of the issues that citizens and legislators alike must grapple with while pursuing an end to cannabis prohibition. There was a period when legalization seemed like something that was confined to the liberal refuge of the West Coast. But there is a tectonic shift happening when it comes to cannabis as opinions and viewpoints about the herb continue to experience a game-changing degree of evolution. Those of us old enough to recall the Merle Haggard song know that back in the day, no self-respecting Okie from Muskogee would be seen smoking marijuana. But in June of this year, Oklahomans voted in state question 788, effectively legalizing medical cannabis in the state. Then on July 10th, the Oklahoma State Board of Health tacked on a list of regula- regulations that were not included in the original bill that was approved by the voters. The new restrictions included limiting the potency of medical cannabis products and an outright 
outright ban on the sale of all forms of smokable cannabis. Within days, there were several lawsuits filed claiming state overreach, and within a month of their being adopted, new regulations have been scrapped. My guest today might be able to help us understand a little more about the situation in Oklahoma and whether or not the patients of that state might have access to actual smokable medical-grade medical cannabis anytime soon. Shelly Free is a certified peace officer in the state of Oklahoma and served as a deputy sheriff in Tulsa County and worked briefly for Lighthouse, or Native American Tribal Police. After leaving law enforcement, Shelly became a certified behavioral health case manager, seeking to help at-risk individuals gain access to resources and networks to empower them to build sustainable lives. During the initiative petition efforts of 788, Shelly focused her energy on education and voter registration, personally registering over 1,000 Oklahoma voters and speaking at legal conferences and seminars to spread knowledge about the uses of cannabis. After 788 passed, Shelly went to work on patient education and building sustainable networks for cannabis entrepreneurs in the Oklahoma market. Shelly was the organizer of the Green on Greenwood Health and Wealth Expo, Oklahoma's first cannabis business and education expo, which was held this past weekend in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Welcome, Shelly, to Hempresent on Cannabis Radio. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you guys called. My pleasure. First off, congratulations on your event. I hope it went well. And secondly, was my intro characterization accurate about the situation in Oklahoma? Did I get anything wrong or leave anything out? Everything you said was completely accurate. I do just want to clarify. Um, I worked with Oklahoma Cannabis Business Alliance in doing that expo. I didn't want to sound like I did it all by myself. <clears throat> but everything you said about legalization and the issues that we had with our health department, um, our AG had to write an official letter to the health department telling them, you know, X, Y, and Z that they listed were actually against the state constitution, that they had no authority to regulate those things. Um, and within 24 hours of the AG sending that letter, they announced that they were going to have a special meeting to go back and rescind those regulations or amend them. And what they did when they went back in, not only did they remove those troublesome regulations like the ban on smokables, requiring a pharmacist on site, and several other nonsense ideas they had, they took out 56 other pages of regulation, dropping our complete rules and regulations from the health department from 76 pages to 20 pages. Shelly, before we dive into the, the meat of the of the law, it seems slightly counterintuitive that someone with a law enforcement background would be a proponent of cannabis. Have you always been a supporter of cannabis reform? I will tell you, I've not always had a position on cannabis reform. Growing up in Oklahoma, as much as you may hear in pop culture, it's everywhere. And it's never been demonized to me. It's never been villainized to me. Um, my fifth grade teacher was arrested for possession because they found a plant on her property when the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics was doing a flyby. And the next semester, fifth grade, they brought in D.A.R.E. to my school. And that was my first exposure to it as something that was illegal. And growing up where it wasn't an issue, there were much harder issues to deal with in Oklahoma. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's aware, but we have a massive methamphetamine problem here. So cannabis is just not an issue to me. And then, especially stepping into the world of law enforcement, um, I remember going through my police academy and the Oklahoma, of, the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics does the, the, they call it marijuana, and they spell it all these weird ways. And then when they're actually training it, they're calling it dope. So they're, they're teaching police um, at the state level to do dope busts when they're referring to cannabis. And I just found that the use of the word dope and the connotation that 
especially those of us that have dealt with anything harder or had to deal with any situations like that in our life. Dope is not the right word for cannabis. I'd I'd agree with you. So, Shelly, the voters of Oklahoma approved medical cannabis, and the state tried to take it away before a gram was ever even shared. In your in your opinion, what happened? Is this a case of a incomplete ballot initiative, or is this something else? It sounds like like the ballot initiative was well written, but they just gutted it. I agree. It's definitely not a case of a poorly written initiative. Um, the authors of Seventy Eight did a phenomenal job in anticipating overregulation with. The, the, the non-inclusion of qualifying conditions, everyone kept saying that that was a loophole and that was a purposeful exclusion. We did not want there to be a qualifying condition because we don't want our state regulating healthcare. Um, a lot of those, the loopholes that people are referring to, the ban on smokables, just as the general counsel, Julie Wilson, said in the actual meeting on July 10th, that I believe it's under the presumption of the 57% of voters that voted that there would not even be an option to take smokables off the table. So it wasn't that the ballot wasn't prepared properly. It was that the state had other interests at play in the regulations. Um, the state was very transparent in this process. They put all of their emergency regulations online, and then they allowed public comments. Once that period for comments was over, they then published all the comments and all the emails and attachments and PDFs they'd received from different organizations around the state. And I'll tell you that I downloaded them. I have a copy of them now. And many of them come from health-related departments like hospitals, uh, medical supply equipment, pharmacists. They all were talking about the public health risk of allowing people to smoke cannabis, whereas they clearly stated in their meeting that it would be the same as any other smokable things we have or vapes that we have, and they would be disallowed from public in public spaces. So it was them just pushing. Their general counsel even told them in the meeting that they can't do that, and then they did it anyway. So some people might be thinking, okay, no smokable cannabis. That still leaves oil and edibles as options, which is a huge change for Oklahoma. Why would that not be good enough now? Why why is smokable cannabis needed? Well, first off, they can't they can't ever ban smokable because Oklahoma has a home grow clause. So we're gonna have it. Whether we can legally buy it and the state get taxes off of it, that's a different story. But as it stands now, that's been removed. But let's say they go into session in the spring and they get that hair back and they decide they don't care about the public outcry and they're going to ban smokables. The reason that we'll fight that from the medicinal standpoint is because smoking, although it sounds vile and disgusting, it is a medical delivery method. Respiratorily taking a medical compound or substance, you're going to get a drastically different onset of the relief than you would like for the topical. If you have nerve issues, in your lower back and you rub something on your wrist, it's not going to work. A smokable form or delivery method has immediate delivery powers to the entire body. And not very or not many other delivery methods have that option. So I think they tried to take it out because they were and I'll just use it, they're ignorant to cannabis. And we have so many groups working at the Capitol right now to make sure that when we go into session this spring, that ignorance isn't the reason for their law. Because just lack of knowledge of understanding that smoking is an actual medicinally approved delivery method would have prevented that whole entire issue. 
We're working on it. So, Shelley, the law took effect July 26, but it could take nine months or longer for the measure to be implemented, uh, according to reports. Why, is, why the delay? So, the measure has already been implemented. On August 25th, they began accepting patient applications. We already have patients that have their applications. On the same date, they began accepting commercial applications. We already have facilities with their commercial applications approved. The delays that I believe that we're going to see are going to be in the regulations for testing because our state did not create a testing license. And this isn't something that everybody talking about cannabis is talking about because everyone doesn't read the regulations. So for several months now, um, many of the activists that are meeting at the Capitol have been drafting regulations for testing, but as it stands now, there are literally none um, that are legislated or regulated through the health department. So that might delay our program implementation. Other than that, I literally, we already have grows. We already have legal grows, legal commercial grows in Oklahoma. Like, it's mind-blowing. I want you to, like, look at Arkansas. They legalized in 2016 a medicinal program, and they still... Don't, they don't have patient licenses. Wow. So we, we're staying on our government. We're trying to keep them honest and trying to keep them educated because I understand that, you know, we have a federal representative over an entire, you know, 15 counties. And so cannabis is really important to all of us, but he's also got to worry about the other 18 checklists about all the other needs of the constituents. So if we don't take the time as activists, to show them how important this is, we can't blast them for not voting in our favor. Very well said. I'm talking to Shelly Free. We're talking about the situation in Oklahoma. And we're going to take a brief pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws. Hear a word from our sponsors, advertisers. Come back with our second segment. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock. We can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint The business of cannabis 
there should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Cannabis Radio with the well-informed Shelly Free from Oklahoma. Shelly, I think you worked with Green the Vote this year to qualify full adult recreational use for the ballot as well via yes. an amendment to the state constitution. Uh, how did that go? What's the current status of that campaign? So those were actually going to be amendments to the state constitution, and those were initiative petitions 796 and 797. 796 basically cuts and pastes the 788 issue as a constitutional amendment. Um, it slightly varies because they're not the same writers, but either way, neither of those petitions, the 797 would have done a full adult use, which would have been recreational for any Oklahoman over the age of 21. Um, but neither of those petitions reached their signature totals for validation to the Secretary of State's office, so they did not continue any further in that process. Um, do you think that there's a lot of support for recreational cannabis in Oklahoma? I really do believe there is a, a, a huge following for it. But when it comes to getting people to turn out for that, our, our petitions are based on voter turnout from the last governor race. Mm-hmm. So the more people we register to vote during these petition drives to legalize, the harder it's going to be the next time. Because Green the Vote registered like 40,000 voters. So if we had to have 10%, we just added 4,000 more signatures. And tracking down those same 40,000 people in two years is going to be near impossible. So I I think we definitely, it is. But we also are looking at um, drafting a petition to change how petitions are drafted, but that, that gets really tricky. Who, who do you but think, definitely, the, I was just going to ask, who's the opposition to legal cannabis in Oklahoma State? Where, where's the pushback coming from, in your opinion? Um, it's my opinion, and it's also published in several news articles. It would be law enforcement and religious leaders. That's definitely, every time there's opposition, then you go into the list of the people who donated money to the No on 788 campaign, which are banks, tribes, um, city chambers of commerce, um, other super PACs and things of that nature, oil industry, lots of money from the oil industry that's voting no. You think um, there's a, lo- a lot of opposition from people with economic interests, which may feel that their their uh, monopolies or their, their market positions might be threatened by cannabis? I definitely believe that is a massive, massive reason that we saw so much support behind the no campaign, specifically with oil and gas. Because cannabis, um, with the legalization of cannabis, we also create a hemp industry. And the hemp industry, obviously hemp fest, you're very aware, um, is extremely lucrative because so many products can be derived from that plant. And it can be used as an energy source. It can be used as a building material. It's just endless. And so we see also pharmaceutical companies, um, hospitals, and medical associations coming out saying no that and they'll make every excuse in the book that oh we believe in it but not like this and they can't clarify what they mean but ultimately it's a competition they had regulations in there that 
all kinds of um, marketing. You weren't really allowed to market anything cannabis at all, and you weren't allowed to offer promotions or endorsements or anything like that. And many of us said, well, how come pharmaceutical reps are allowed to do that? How come pharmaceutical reps are literally allowed to offer cash incentive via merchandise and gift cards to doctors in order to get them to sign up to prescribe their drugs to our people? But we literally can't put a sign on the street with a leaf on it. We've got the same situation here in Washington State where pot leaves are banned. It's just it's regulatory overkill in every area. Um, it's, it's, It's just ridiculous. Well, I think the thing that we do, we have to just really work on the stigma before the marketing and branding is going to be allowed to be altered. Because even people that are voting yes for it, they still feel some kind of way when you, like our expo this weekend, for example, I was walking around with huge cannabis leaves all over my shirt. And it's still people, they were there to celebrate cannabis and learn more about it. It was still off-putting to some people. And so the more that we educate and advocate, I think the, the less we'll see that pushback on public signs and banners. It feels like the disinformation went on a layer at a time over, you know, a lifetime. And it's like peeling an onion, you know, they're going to we're going to have to take them take off the perceptions a layer at a time as well. Um Shelly, I was just in Oklahoma participating in an event called the Road to Oklahoma Hemp Fest, and I had the opportunity to introduce former state Senator Connie Johnson, who was also an Oklahoma gubernatorial candidate this year. Are there many other elected officials in Oklahoma who've openly supported reforming the state's cannabis laws the way Senator Johnson has? No, I'll tell you that 100 percent. She has, um, I tell you, in 2007, I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, and I saw on the news that an Oklahoma center had taken it to the floor to decriminalize marijuana. Cause that's what they were calling it then. And I thought, Oh my goodness, I have got to see who this woman is. I, I can't believe someone's doing that in Oklahoma. This is amazing. And it was Connie Johnson. And I have followed her ever since I voted for her for governor. I went to several of her campaign events. I love Connie Johnson and there's no one else in the state of Oklahoma that's had such a platform that she has that has used her voice in the way she has to advocate. She has taken it, she's taken decriminalization to the floor every single year of her career. Wow. That's, that's really impressive. So are, are, how far are our patients getting cannabis in Oklahoma or how far do you think you are from that point? So patients have the right to legally home grow six plants. They can possess six mature plants and six seedlings at any given time. They're allowed with their card to have three ounces of flour on their person and eight ounces of dry flour in their home. So the law says that no person may or shall possess um, a mature plant until 60 days after the passage or the issuance of cards, which basically is like October 27th. So technically people are allowed to have it, but If they have a mature plant prior to that date, I guess technically old laws would be still in effect with possession. But I I would love to see them try to do that. I have an army of attorneys that would jump on that so fast. (laughs) So they they try. You got legal home grow, and then the state tried to ban 
the sale of smokables, that seems like a recipe for disaster, a recipe to open a market for the black market to... Well, that's exactly what that would have done. It would have said that you're allowed to possess it by law. They can't alter 788, which which set the possession limits. So regardless if the state says that they're not going to sell it and tax it, we're still creating a market where it's going to be on our streets and people are going to be able to grow it and they'll be able. So whenever people said that, I was like, well, you know, um, it is what it is. We're going to have the flower and it's not illegal to possess it. So unless they create a new rule about giving away flour to patients from patient to patient, you can legally possess it. So we'll just, we'll create it like a co-op of patients helping other patients get smokable flour. And we are smarter than most of our government officials. And so we'll find a legal loophole to do so. So that none of us go to prison for medicating. (laughs) I like your style. Yeah. I mean, that sounds what like what a lot of our states had here before legalization. We did have patient community-organized dispensaries, and it was a system that worked extremely well and unfortunately was gutted here and replaced by a state lottery system. Um, we only have a few more minutes before the next break. What do you think that legal cannabis will bring to Oklahoma? What, what, what's the long-term impact? What's your vision of, of cannabis in Oklahoma for the future? Why is this important to you, well, Shelley? Well, so many reasons. Um, my vision is that this plant and how society treats it and how our government regulates it, it has shaped generation after generation of our people into paranoid people, into government you know, conspiracy theorists, and it's turned entire families into criminal systems like it has destroyed so many communities so especially being here in Tulsa and the racial history we have and looking at the disproportionate numbers of persons of color that we see incarcerated for cannabis related crimes I see legalization as a turning point as a shift in our views on cannabis usage as no longer as a drug, no longer as, you know, weed or dope, but as a legitimate medicinal use. And for, and I know you mentioned it, um, we're conservative. We're the first red state. Literally every county in the last presidential election was red. Like we are a conservative state. And so for us to pass this and for it to be as, as unregulated as it is at this point, it's like phenomenal. But I see it growing into something to where we can set a standard to say, okay, you know, we have this liberal crazy group of activists that are keeping us in check, but we have very fiscally conservative representatives that aren't going to let it get you out of hand. So I, I think we've set a good stage as long as our representatives stay engaged with our communities and are listening to the input we're giving them. I think that the vision for legalization in Oklahoma I think it's going to be the tipping point for federal legalization. Once we have overcame all the conservative obstacles and can say Oklahoma did it, does anyone else have an argument? I'm talking to Shelly Fee. We're going to take another pause, hear uh, a word from our sponsors, and come back with our final questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. 
now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a Approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit 8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including health care, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th to the 6th. For more information, go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with Shelly Free from Oklahoma. So, Shelly, what's in the future for you? Uh, what plans do you have? And how can people follow your exploits and contact you if they want to? So, my plans are to continue in the best capacity that I can to educate Oklahomans, maybe just Americans in general or people of the world, on the uses of cannabis and the reasons that we need to change our viewpoints and the way our government regulates and criminalizes our citizens for the use of cannabis. Um, So I'll be hosting a few more events, working with a few organizations to make sure that we're bringing premier education, vetted, credentialed, anywhere we can find them. As long as they've got credentials, we want them here and speaking to our people and our legislature. Um, The best way to find me is on Facebook. I'm about capped out on the friends, um, <laughs> but you can try, add me. Um, but if you really need to reach me for anything, my cell phone is just ultimately the best thing. Uh, my cell phone number is 918-541-0157, and a, a text message with your name and information and why you want to talk to me. And I literally respond to every one of them because it's my personality type, and I feel guilty if I don't. Well, Shelly Free, thank you so much for all your various forms of uh, giving back to your community and society. Uh, Good luck on all of your work and your endeavors, and thanks for being on the show. Stay in touch. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Now, I want to get to a weekly feature of Hemp Present on CannabisReader.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. 
Marijuana in its natural form is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. By any measure of rational analysis, marijuana can be used safely within a supervised routine of medical care. And that is U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA Chief Administrative Law Judge Francis Young in 1988. That concludes this installment of Hampersent on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more Reefer Repartee and Cannabis Confabulation with some special Hippo Sapien on a journey to justice. As we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community, with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush, sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.